I see that many of you have gathered together today in his name to worship. It is a good thing. Many aspects of your worship service have changed since my day. <laughs> I, I did see many of you come in this morning carrying Bibles. That is something the common man did not have in my day. Forgive me. I have not introduced myself. My name is Martin Luther. And I am known for many reasons. One of which is what I did on October 31 in the year of our Lord, 1517. I understand that today you call this date uh, Halloween. But in my day, we called it the night before all saints. <laughs> but forgive me, I am getting ahead of myself. I have come today um, to briefly tell you a little about myself. In many ways, my story begins um, in the year 1505. My, that was, that was over 500 years ago. I was a young man. <laughs> I was a, a university student in my um, home country of Germany. And I was well on my way to becoming a lawyer. I was walking home one evening when a, a thunderstorm suddenly struck. And a bolt of lightning hit the ground near me, knocking me to the ground. Oh, I was afraid of dying of God's wrath. So I cried out. Satan, help me! And I will become a monk. Many of you probably don't know what I could be talking about, do you? You're probably wondering, who is Saint Anne? What is a monk? And why didn't he cry out to God for help? Well, as I grew up, I was taught that I was to pray to men and to women who lived before me, had great relationships with God, and then died. I believed that it was only them who could help me. I did not know that I could call out to God through Jesus Christ, and he would listen to me. Now, as for what is a monk, I dedicated my life to a, a life of self-denial. I gave away all my possessions. I wore itchy, scratchy clothing. I prayed and fasted. I went without sleep. I worked day and night, endured bone-chilling cold without a blanket. And I even whipped myself. If anyone could have earned heaven through the life of a monk, it was I. But I don't say this to brag. Only to let you know that I was willing to do anything I could to make myself right before God. 
And yet, and yet, I was terror-stricken of God. I thought, who am I that I should raise my eyes or or lift my hands to the divine majesty? The angels, they surround him. At his nod, the earth trembles. Should I, a miserable little pygmy, say, I want this or I want that? No! I'm tossed with ashes. And all of my righteousness is is like dirty little rags to him. I knew that there was nothing I could do to ever make myself right before God. Love God? I hated him. My professor, Dr. Staupitz, he didn't know how to help me. Then one day, he said that you are to read and to teach the Bible. I assured him that all that work would kill me. You see, I had never before wrestled with the source book of my religion. Only the prescribed course the church gave me to God. I don't think I even saw a Bible until I was around 20 years old. They were not readily available like you have today. Did you bring a Bible today? If you did, raise it in the air, could you? Raise your Bible in the air. Oh, beautiful things. Oh, beautiful. Hey, wait, what is that? (laughs) There is no way a Bible could ever fit in this thing. What is? There's a book about you on there. Does anybody else have anything like this? Let me, let me see this. This really holds a Bible? What an amazing thing. Wait, wait. Somebody was telling me about this um, electric device that could not only hold a Bible, but it could... It could hold many Bibles, written in many different languages. Could, could this be that device? Oh, praise God! I spent the last half of my life translating the Bible so people could read it in their normal language. But now it is in many languages. Oh, praise God! Thank you, God. But I have, I have become distracted. I began to teach through the book of Psalms. Once then, I moved on to, to Paul's letters to the Romans and the Galatians. And those letters, those letters became to me my Damascus road. Do you understand my meaning? You see, I still struggled with with a a great fear of God and the devil. Even though I was an impeccable monk, I had no confidence 
that all my good works could ever assuage God. So I meditated on Romans day and night. Specifically, Romans chapter 1, verse 17. Until I saw the connection between the righteousness of God and the grace. Let me read Romans 1, 17 for you. It says, For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith as it is written. The righteous shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. I finally understood that through, through God's grace and sheer mercy, those of us who have faith are forgiven. Those of us who have faith are forgiven. He declares us not guilty. Why? Because Jesus Christ came, died on the cross, took our sins upon himself, and then raised three days later. Oh, this, this writing to me became a gateway to heaven where God's righteousness before filled me with hate and anger and now became to me inexpressibly sweet and greater love. Do you see? Do you know? It is all Christ. It is all grace. There is nothing we could do to deserve it. Oh, oh, I finally felt free. As As I continued to study the Bible, I started to find other things that the church did that was not based on the scriptures. One thing that troubled me in particular was was the church's growing abuse of indulgences. You see, a person could give the church money and they would issue you a certificate saying that the dead relative or friend would have his time in purgatory reduced by a certain number of years. Maybe you do not know what purgatory is. You see, the church taught that that when man dies, he is not ready to be with God in heaven. But instead, he has to have his sins paid for. So so we would go to, to the fires of purgatory where our sins would be ultimately purged from our souls. We would spend 
hundreds of days or, or, or years in purgatory until, until Viva finally cleansed and to go to heaven. Therefore, men and women were, were glad to give money to the church to have this reduced because they were afraid of what would happen to them after this life. They were afraid of God's wrath. And here I was, sure that, that forgiveness could not be paid for or sold, that we, were, that we were forgiven if we had faith in Christ. I hated, I hated that the church was deceiving people and giving them false securities. And this, this brings me to October 31, 1517, the day I nailed my 95 theses or arguments against indulgences to the doors of the church in my hometown of Wittenberg. Now, you might think that this is a, a strange practice, but in my day, it was a fairly common thing Professors would, would nail um, their thesis on the doors of the church to say that they were willing to have a public debate about an important issue. I was merely saying that I wanted to have this argument with other scholars about indulgences, saying that it was only through Christ, that we could be forgiven. I wrote my uh, indulgences, my thesis, in plain Latin. But my friends, they soon translated it into German. And then they, they printed my thesis on the newly invented printing presses. And they shipped them all over Germany. They were sold in all the marketplaces. Before long, anyone who could read was reading my thesis. Arguments broke out throughout Germany. Some people agreed with me. Of course they agreed with me. They were tired of paying money to the church. They were tired of their German money going to Rome to build the St. Peter's Basilica there. The church, it began to grow worried. Some declared me a heretic and said that my teachings were not teachings of the true Christian faith. My friends were, were concerned that the, the church would excommunicate me. And soon, a proclamation was issued. It said that I was to recant all of my writings. And if I did not, I would be excommunicated. <laughs> I must admit, I was so upset that I, I threw that proclamation into the bonfire. And now I was an enemy of the church. A April 21, 1521. 
I went to the Diet of Worms. <laughs> it probably sounds terrible to you, doesn't it? <laughs> no, I did not mean to say that I, I went to eating a Diet of Worms. But a diet is a, um, a parliament. It is a, a government council. This particular council happened in the town of Worms. When I arrived at, uh, at the council, I saw this, this enormous pile of books. All the manifestos I had ever written. They read the title of these manifestos one by one. And then they asked me two questions. They said, did you write these books? And will you now recant of everything you wrote in these books? I answered yes. I did. I did write these books. And then I asked for permission to think about how to answer the second question. They grudgingly granted me leave. So I left, only to return the next day. Then I returned. I was ready. I stood before the council. I spoke first in strong Latin and then in German. And I said, unless I am convinced through scripture or plain reason that my writings are incorrect, I cannot and I will not recant. It is neither safe nor wise to go against one's conscience. I cannot do otherwise. Here I stand. God be with me. God be with us all. Amen. Oh, the crowd broke out into a confusion of shouting or cheering or protesting. My friends, they ushered me out of the hall. And two days later, I was declared an outlaw. A double condemnation now hung over me. I was a heretic and excommunicated from the church and an outlaw. Nobody was to help me in any way. They were not to feed me or lodge me. No one was to own, buy, or sell, or print any of my books. My friends, they hatched a plan to help save me. Prince Frederick, they came and, 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 and they kidnapped me. And they, they rushed me off to the Wartburg Castle. After a while, I started roaming the countryside on occasion, disguised with the long hair and the beard I grew. 
I also had a knight's outfit. <laughs> you might like the name they called me. Junker George. <laughs> it's rather funny sounding, isn't it? Well, it was here that I translated the whole of the New Testament from its original Hebrew into the German language. And then I translated the Old Testament from the Greek into the German. <laughs> what a wonderful thing, huh? The common man could now read God's word in his own language. Hmm. You have sung a song of mine. A mighty fortress is his God. Many years have passed since I last roamed this earth. But God's truth abideth still. I praise God that you now have the chance to study God's grace through the Holy Scriptures. Even if it is in an electronic device. <laughs> I want to leave you with my three manifestos. Number one. My first manifesto is remember that Jesus Christ told us to remember his sacrifice through Holy Communion. Second, remember that you are a holy priesthood. Everyone is equal in God's eyes. And thirdly, remember this cry. Sola fide. Faith alone. Say this with me. Faith alone. Remember that the only way we are made right before God is through faith in Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection. Faith alone. Are you free this day? I pray that you are. But if you are not, I beg of you, throw yourself on God's mercy. Walk in faith. If you are free, I want you to live your life as a life of faith. I want you 
to live your lives in such a way that your neighbors and co-workers know that you have faith in Jesus Christ and they can't deny his power. Give yourselves to your neighbors like Christ gave himself for you.